0: Welcome to the V1 Church Podcast. It's a divine for your life to accomplish what it has You're about to hear a message from our lead pastor, Michael Signorelli. Prepare to go, V1. Can we all just give it up for everyone listening to the podcast right now? I'll turn that track up real loud so it sounds like there's, there's thousands in here. We'll double it. We'll double that track a lot. <laughs> okay, let me, let me ask you a question. Is there anyone here in this place, as you guys get your Bibles ready, is there anyone in that that could be turning on your device, that could be a physical Bible, what, what if you got your old school Bible? It just feels more spiritual when you just do like this. You know, if you need a Bible, we are actually ordering Bibles in bulk to give them away each week. Because a thought occurred to me if I was to buy a Bible and, and I had no idea what this was all about, where would I get it from? Right? And, and so you're going to hear me read through different translations or whatever. We're going to have Bibles available in the next couple of weeks when they get here in bulk because I want to give you a weapon. This is a dangerous weapon. But how many of you here love coffee? Is there anyone here who's like, I love coffee? Is there anyone here who's like, I go to this church because you provide free coffee. All right, let me ask you a, a, a harder question to answer because there's a lot of shame connected to this question. Have you ever spilled it on yourself? Yeah. Am I the only one who physically cannot contain my coffee? I have so many tragic memories. It's like this love-hate relationship where I'm like, why do you do this to me? And then I just dump it in my lap. <laughs> That's pretty much what happens. I'm one of those, like, look at my watch every day and just pour it into my lap. I'm just going to skip the step. And we have all suffered abuse by way of coffee. Am I right? <laughs> but I have this crazy story. So at the church we just came from, our sending church, Road to Life's amazing place. And uh, we loaded in, and we actually had a gymnasium for the children's ministry, and we actually had several inflatables, like carnival-level inflatables, like 40-foot inflatables. And so I was in charge of making sure that these got loaded out and loaded up, and and that was like how I got this ripped physique that you're looking at now. Um, (laughs) My wife laughs the hardest. And so it was very exhausting, and by the time we got done setting up, we'd get there at 530 in the morning, and then it's all done. I would have that, that proverbial morning cup of coffee. And, and I was standing there one day with this cup of coffee. And I'm like, just getting ready to take the first sip of it. And all of a sudden, my daughter, Bella, she's 10 now, so she was like eight when this happened, comes running across the gymnasium. And she does this like double cartwheel Power Rangers type thing into like a front flip, and then just kicks the coffee like right into my face. And if you ever wanted to know what does it feel like to have scalding hot, like could kill you style coffee kicked into your face. If that's ever been like a weird thought you've had, I can tell you it feels like the skin is instantly melting off the bone. Like I had this visual of like my face is gone now. Now I'm Skeletor from He-Man. Like that's throwback. Old millennials will get that. Evan's like, who's He-Man? See? And I promise you this is not comedy hour with Pastor Mike. We are about to preach. I'm just like padding it up front so I can just stab you with truth later on. So it's coming. But the, the thing was, when this coffee, I mean, it was like, I, I literally thought like my skin is gone now. Like that was actually my thought. I was like, I'm dead. <laughs> oh God. I'm dead. This is the thought I'm thinking after I die. And it took my breath away. I mean it dropped me to the floor. I was like uh, and she's like, Daddy, Daddy, what did I do? What did I do? I'm like, you killed me. <laughs> Somebody's more sympathetic for my daughter. That's what's wrong with this generation. But but the, the reason why I bring that up is because we're talking about prayer, and prayer is a lot like coffee. It can be the most incredible thing in your life, but it can also be a thing that damages you and messes you up. Some of you have had somebody kick the cup of coffee of prayer in your face a few times, have you not? I'm not going to tell you about the Pentecostal church I went to and got slapped in the face. Now, Jesus, and I was like, never. (laughs) But we all have these experiences with prayer where somebody's in the best intentions dropped it in our lap and messed us up and abused us with prayer. You know, and yet it's like, you know, we've also even ruined it in our own lives where we've prayed outside of the will of God. We've prayed outside of scripture and then had this hardened heart towards God, why didn't he listen to my prayer? Instead of, why did I just suffer the consequence of my own action? Well, God, why didn't you deliver me from my own action? And God's just like, You didn't pray according to my will you you abuse that prayer and now you're abusing my relationship with you but it doesn't take away from how good it actually is and can be so to so the title of this sermon today and you know I had to it's better than caffeine (laughs) you know what's funny is that we find these disciples with Jesus and you guys can open up to mark chapter 1 verse 35 it's interesting that the the disciples are with Jesus and he sees Jesus preach this sermon on the Mount and then he, they see miracles of feeding 5,000 and then they 5,000. And then they see Lazarus actually being raised from the dead and they never ask Jesus on record at least, how do you do those things? Like, how do I multiply like loaves and fish to the point where we can feed 5,000 kids? Because that'd be awesome to do that again because I can make a whole ministry. I can take, make a ton of money off of that, right? Like, the first time's free, and then the next time we multiply, it's, it's cheaper than the other dude down the street. But we can make a ministry off that, and we can fund all kinds of vision. Or hey, when you raised Lazarus from the dead, I mean, I'm your disciple, and in first century Jewish culture, to be a disciple of a rabbi meant that you would do everything you saw them do. So it would be logical if you've ever lost a loved one to be like, hey, how did you do that whole resurrection thing? Because I got some people on my list too, right? But the only thing that we have recorded that they actually asked Jesus how to do is pray. And so I think it's important that we learn how to pray as a church. Is that okay? Early in the morning while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. Now, you've got to understand the difference between early. So let's do this together. New York, Long Island, early, 10 a.m. Northwest Indiana farm culture, early, 5 (laughs) a.m. First century Jewish culture, early, 4 a.m. So for him to wake up every morning while it was still dark means that he was probably waking up. And you'll see why I say this later. He's probably waking up at about 3 a.m. every single day and spending about three or four hours a day in the presence of his Father. That was Jesus' model for us. Some of you are like, not going to (laughs) happen. Spiritualize it to the music. Not going to happen. First century Jews started their day at sunrise. So to start your day earlier than that would be about 3 Now watch this in Matthew chapter 17, verse 14 through 20. Let's look at it together. And it says this, at the bottom of the mountain, they were met with a crowd of waiting people. As they approached, a man came out of the crowd and fell to his knees begging, Master, have mercy on my son. He goes out of his mind and suffers terribly, falling into seizures. Frequently, he is pitched into the fire, other times into the river. I brought him to your disciples, and they could do nothing for him. And Jesus said, what a generation. No sense of God. No focus to your lives. How many times do I have to go over these things? How much longer do I have to put up with this? Bring the boy here. He ordered the afflicting demon out, and it was out, gone. From that moment on, the boy was well. When the the disciples had Jesus off to themselves, they said, hey, hey, uh, Jesus? Why couldn't we throw that demon out? And he says, because you're not yet taking God seriously. The simple truth is that if you had a mere kernel of faith, a little poppy seed say, you would tell this mountain, move, and it would move. There is nothing that you could not tackle. In other words, there is nothing that would be impossible to you. So here's my first point, though. God never exercises miracles where you can exercise the ordinary. Let me just say that again, because we love miracles. If I said we're going to do a miracle service, maybe more people would come out than did for a weekend staycation. But God never exercises miracles where you can exercise the ordinary. So in other words, this, it doesn't have to be a mountain. But, but listen to this. If you've got bulldozers, a stick of dynamite, and a shovel, then you don't need faith. You need to get to work. And I think the world is so tired of Christians who are like, yeah, I'll pray about it, I'll pray about it, I'll pray about it. But we sit on resources, we sit on our energy, and we don't get up and be the miracle. Is there anyone in this place that's like, I'm not going to let that be my legacy. I want to be the hands and feet of God. Yeah. Am I the only one? And so sometimes God's like, yeah, there's a miracle. And sometimes he's like, guess what the miracle is? You. Now, here's where we messed up. I had this question before in my mind. If God is sovereign, why pray? If he already knows how this whole thing's going to pan out, why even pray? Has anyone ever thought that? Like, I'm so powerless. Well, here's the thing. Going back to Genesis, he said, I will make man in my image and likeness, and I will give him dominion. So guess what? You have dominion here. You, and actually, the word human actually comes from this compound word, humus man, which means dirt, body, and spirit. So you are a spirit in a body, that, and you have been given dominion here on planet Earth. And so what happens when you pray is this. You use your dominion to give God permission to invade. And God's design for every single one of you is to understand how powerful he actually created you so that you can utilize that in prayer. But God never exercises miracles where he can exercise the ordinary. People ask me all the time, why do we see miracles when we go overseas? It's like I was in Ukraine, and we went to a cancer ward. And, and as we were walking through this ward, it became brutally apparent that they do not have medical science and medical, uh, any capabilities there to what we would have in, in this country. And so they're, they're, what they called a, a cancer ward was basically more akin to a hospice for us here. It was just a place you go to die. And as I began to lay my hands on this one man's stomach, he had these tumors, and he just began to cry. He started saying through the translator to me in Ukrainian, I feel something moving. I feel something moving. I feel something moving. And God just began to perform miracles. And we got him on film, and we took pictures, and we documented that whole process. And I came back to Indiana and shared it, and we had hundreds of miracles take place. And it was this incredible thing. But at the same time, you've got to go on a journey of discipline as well, because where there is no ordinary miracle, God will provide a supernatural miracle. And a lot of times we're asking God to apply a a miracle to a thing that he wants us to apply discipline. Well, see where I come from in church, you know, if, if the pastor says something that you need the person next to you to hear, you go, well... And that's kind of like you volley it back up, you know, like, well. So if you're sitting next to someone and something drops, you know, or if it's about you but you need somebody to think you're deflecting it, you can go, well. (laughs) So it's okay to talk back to me while I'm preaching this morning. But there are some of you praying for miracles in areas of your life that God's like, I'm ready for you to apply some discipline, starting with Pastor Mike. I've been like, God, please heal my, my lower back. He's like, stop sleeping on your stomach. Start working out. Start doing that. And I'm like, why are you so mean, God? You say, it says you're a good, good father. Good fathers don't discipline. OK. <laughs> I'll stop now. <laughs> Matthew chapter 17 is a picture of how potent your prayers of faith really are. They're double caffeinated. And he's like, you just need a little bit of it. You just need a little bit of faith. And some of you guys who have never seen God move in your life, you don't even have a little bit of faith. But today, what I'm asking you to do is try to activate just a little bit. Yeah. Number two, point two, is this. Spending a lot of time with God means spending very little time with the problem. Amen. So here's the situation I just read you, OK? There's this demon-possessed boy who's throwing himself into fires, throwing himself into the rivers. The demons have completely taken him over. And then the disciples come and like, are you the disciples of Jesus? Yes, yes, we are. Come this way. We, I, my, I need your help so bad. My son, he's got, oh, we got you. We're the disciples of the Messiah. Have you heard about him? And they get on the scene, and they're like trying every technique, everything they can, right, in the name of Jesus. They're doing it. The, they're every tech. Come out. They're trying everything they can. They can't get it done, and Jesus comes frustrated and says, man, God, how long do you have to watch me? How do I spend my mornings? How do I spend my time every single day praying communicating with the father. Now watch this. How I spend the long time with my father will determine how I spend a short time with this problem. And he speaks to that demon and says, go. And that demon instantly responds and goes. And some of you guys, the the solution in your life is to understand that as you increase your time with God, you will decrease your time with the devil. As you increase your time with God in prayer, you will decrease your time with worry, anxiety, lack, fear. Because those things cannot cohabitate the same space. So as you allow God to invade your space, all of a sudden, those things have to go. Let me look at this. This is Luke chapter 11, uh, verses 1 through 13. And many of you guys know this. You probably memorized it at some point in your life. Now, it came to pass as he was praying in a certain place when he ceased that one of his disciples said, Lord, teach us how to do what you do. Teach us how to pray. John taught his disciples, so can you teach us too? And he says this, pray like this, our Father in heaven. Now, this is how he started the model for prayer, our Father in heaven. So point three is this, the power in prayer comes from relationship, not technique our father now let's do an experiment okay go ask your mom or dad for money now go on the streets of Long Island or the streets of New York City and go ask strangers for money who has a higher likelihood of responding to you positively the relationship of your father the relationship of your parents. And a lot of times we were like, I'm asking all this stuff of God, and he just seems to never answer my request. And then the question I've got to ask you is, how's your relationship with him? Because if he's truly your father, the power in your prayer. Have you ever met someone, you're like, man, every time they pray, it seems like God responds. The power comes from the relationship, not the technique The next one is this, hallowed be your name. Another way of saying this is is your name is like this cathedral in time and space that I run into no matter where I'm at. Hallowed means sacred, holy, set apart. And that's why we can meet in this movie theater because the things that are sacred are not the things built with the hands of men, but the things that are sacred are the things that God deems sacred, his name. You know, in, in Jewish culture, when you name something, you actually named a person with the attributes of their entire destiny. That's why we have over 16 names attributed to God, because it's talking about his nature and who he is. And it says, your name, hallowed be your name. Your name is a place that I run into. It's set apart and distinct in time and space. So I'm standing right now in my school, but hallowed be your name. I'm in you right now. I'm standing in my job right now, but hallowed be your name. I'm standing in this cathedral, this spiritual space reserved for the holiness of who you are i'm in my home and there's all this chaos of abuse all around me but hallowed be your name it's a shield and a fortress right i'm gonna start preaching is that all right (laughs) maybe some of you guys live in perfect places is that you is there someone here because i would love to move in with you but some of us have to go into places where it is a necessity to understand hallowed be your name Some of you guys are getting your mind blown because you've been raised in this and you were like, I just said it. I couldn't even spell it, Pastor Mike. Your kingdom come. Proverbs 16.9 says something that you all need to hear. It says, we pray this because our default mode is building our own kingdoms. It says, in their hearts, humans plan their course, but the Lord establishes their steps. You know how I pray sometimes? Let me tell you how I pray this is going to give you guys a little insight into my relationship with my father. Sometimes I say, God, now we both know my IQ. And you made me like this. You could have made me smarter. But you're keeping me trusting on you. I know, I know why, you, why you did this. And you're also limiting me so that as people see anything around me become successful, they'll know it's you. I get it, OK? I get it, God. But I need your help. Because you know I'm a little stupid sometimes. I literally say that. And sometimes I say, I'm a little messed up. And he knows. You know, I was in uh, Brooklyn two days ago. And I just sat a chair out in front of me at Starbucks. And I said, "Okay, let's have a coffee date, Dad. And that might sound weird to you. But it's like until you understand the reality of the Holy Spirit, he's more real than me or you. And and I want you to try to wrap your head around that for a little bit. But all of a sudden, a peace that surpasses all understanding started to come over me as I was in that place just communicating with my father. And I'm like, I got all these plans. And what I love about New York is you guys got plans that have plans that have plans, right? You're like, I got plan A, B, C, D, and E. And when those fail, I got D, E, F, Z, right? Divided by two, multiplied by three. And as I'm counseling people, they're telling me like, well, yeah, I'm on the eighth plan that didn't work out now. And I'm just frustrated. I'm like, wow, you have persistence. But the Lord establishes your steps. And so you're not wise enough to get to where he's called you. That's why there has to be a place of surrender in your heart through prayer. Is anyone getting anything out of this today? It says this. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us day by day our daily bread. Forgive us of our sins as we forgive everyone who's indebted to us. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And then that's it. But here's the thing that's funny. Why does he say, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth? Then ask for bread. Because what if his will is for you to fast for that day? What if his will for you that day is not to consume? And so we prioritize what God wants over what we want. And we push things aside and say, hey. And then it's like, hey, forgive us our sins as we forgive all the other people who are indebted to us. Because guess what? If I'm going to ask God to forgive the hypocrisy in me, I must forgive the hypocrites around me. And then all of a sudden, your heart begins to well up in love when you determine how unlovable you are. And you all know some of you are very unlovable. You might need to even jab your husband and wife and be like, I'm, so, I'm sorry. I get emotional. I manstrate once a month. <laughs> Is that OK to say on a microphone, Julie? She's shaking her head, no. I'm sorry, Julie. I will model this. Sometimes we are unlovable. Am I right? And, and that even extends to loving ourselves. So as you begin to cry out in this model of prayer, you're saying, God, forgive me as I forgive those who have sinned against me and give me my daily bread. It would be nice to stack all the bread up, but there's something about daily bread that says, God, when is enough is enough? Yeah. Because going back into some of you guys being toddlers, enough was never enough, and you stole the toy and cracked your sister over the head with it and took that too. And now you're just the adult version of that. And if you have kids, you, you see these things, and you're like, wow, you are just a 35-year-old going, ah! Right? (laughs) And so God in his mercy and his love says, come on, come on, I got you. Do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Now, here's something that as I begin to study prayer, Jesus never teaches us what to do when we have unanswered prayers because he has no experience in that. Jesus never teaches us what to do when we have unanswered prayers because he has no experience in that. And what we've done is we've actually created these whole theologies, denominations, church flavors to explain away why God can do the miraculous. And we've actually built church culture where it would be more surprising if a miracle happened in this room today than if it didn't. And what I'm here to tell you is God's not playing that game anymore. And there are some people in this room with college degrees, with success, with families who are absolutely out of their mind for Jesus and have just a kernel seed of faith, just a little mustard seed of faith, enough to believe that a miracle can happen here today. There are people in this room who say, God, I I, I understand the Bible. I've read it before, but I know that you can do it. I know that you can do it. Genesis 128 says, God blessed them, and God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it and have dominion over the fish of the sea, over the fowl of the air, and every other living thing that moves upon the earth. So life is God giving you dominion over the earth, but prayer is you giving him permission to invade it. And see, let me tell you a little something about the faithfulness of God. And this is hard for people to understand, but the faithfulness of God goes so deep that he cannot contradict the words that come out of his mouth. So if he said it in scripture, he cannot contradict it because that would make him a liar. And so every single word that came out of his mouth is true. So when he said, I created humanity, I'm going to give them dominion, he is bonded and trapped by his word. Do you understand that today? So if you're here and you're like, well, I don't understand Christians to do more than pray, you're right, we should. We should be the answers to our prayers. We should be the answers to each other's prayers. God gave us that dominion. And it's funny too, because you go back to the garden and every spirit that's able to be legal on this earth needs a body to be legal. Does that make sense? And so Satan even comes into the body of a snake and tempts Eve and all of a sudden you see the fall of humanity in the garden. But God said, I'm not going to break the rules I set up because I'm actually going to enter humanity through a woman. The very one that you used to destroy the plan that I had for earth, I'm going to come back through a woman and I'm going to crush your head. And that's when you have Jesus. And what I think is so interesting about pregnancy is that you can have the, the, the baby in the womb and you can have the mother two different blood types because the blood never mixes. And so you have Jesus Christ, the spirit and the flesh born into a woman, the DNA of God, a different blood altogether being carried in her and the plan, the carried in her and the plan was being worked out to redeem all of humanity and to set every single thing right and to crush the head of Satan and the word became flesh and all of a sudden Jesus walks among us And the picture that we got from Jesus is as long as you are in your fleshly body, you better stay connected in the spirit to your heavenly father. Because if I need it, being holy God and holy man, you're going to need it too. And there's some of you in this place that have just been asking yourself the question for so long, what is missing? I just, I, I read the Bible. I go around. I do church things. I just don't know. It just feels like something in my life is missing. I've tried college. I've tried these different things. And it's like I, I ride that wave of happiness, but there hasn't been any sustained joy. You are missing a connection in prayer to your Heavenly Father. That's it. Because, and the disciples kind of knew this on some level because they never asked hey, can you teach us how to do all the miraculous? They knew that all the miraculous was coming from his prayer life. And so the question they truly asked was, can you teach us how to pray? Is there someone in this place that there's a hunger that's been stirred up inside of you this morning to pray? Now, let me just tell you this story. and I I don't know that I can validate the truth of this story, but I will tell you I love this story. There was a guy who claimed that he had this visitation in heaven. And he told this story. He came back and reported everything that he saw. And I remember hearing this story for the first time, and it just rocked like the core of who I am. Because I come from a praying family. I got a praying mom. I got to tell her, pray a little quieter, mom. You're freaking people out. But this story was incredible to me because what happened was he's in heaven, and there's these angels circling around the throne of God, and the whole place is erupting in worship. The whole place, trumpets, noise that you've never heard before. Everyone worshiping, worshiping, worshiping. And all of a sudden, the finger of God just twitches for a moment on the throne. And it causes such a great explosion that all these angels circling around the throne are just thrown into every direction. And people are just leveled momentarily. And all the angels and all these people worshiping on, on, around the throne, they get up. And when they get up, they're shaking it off like, whoa, that was awesome. And all of a sudden he turns to this angel next to him and he's like, what happened when that explosion just went off in heaven? And the angel said, oh, there's a woman down there on earth who just moved God. And when she prayed, she moved God physically and we're feeling the results of it here in heaven. And and it just amazes me to think about the fact that there is this distant place where God is being worshiped around the throne and that what we do here can actually change the participation there. And that we have this cloud of witnesses in the spiritual realm here that are even watching and and saying, come on, will you get into prayer? Come on, I want to work with you. Come on, will you cooperate with what God is trying to do in this region? Come on. And they're cheerleading us. And, and, and you got Pastor Mike and all these people around you. Come on, it's time to pray. Come on, that God's calling you to this place of connection. And then as you just get into that place, all of a sudden, you just begin to speak out. God, Father, I'm here. Not my will be done, but I want your will. And they're saying, come on, he's getting it. Yes, God, I've got all kinds of plans. But I know that the end of my plan is destruction. But if you establish my steps, I can be successful. And that begins to come out of your mouth. And all of a sudden, as that happens, God moves on your behalf and you give him permission and you say, God, invade. Yes, you've given me dominion and I honor that. I'll do what you call me to do. But God, I give you permission. You've given me dominion, but I give you permission. And the only thing holding back some of your breakthroughs in this room is giving God permission. Is saying, yes, God, have your way. And so That's why, and I'm going to challenge the theologians in this room right now. I want you to find me one place in the Bible where God did something without man's permission. Even when he came to Mary and said, Mary, I've got this plan where I am actually going to have you miraculously conceive my son Jesus, but I I need you to accept the assignment. The angel came, and there was this cooperation where Mary said, let it be so. And so God wants to do something in your life this morning, but he needs your participation. And if you're like me, you don't have to be a genius to figure out the plans of God for your life. You just have to say yes when he shows up and confronts you with it and so God's using me right now to confront you with your true destiny your true identity your true purpose he's coming right now through these words that I have to say will you accept the assignment that I have for you and it will be a wilder adventure than you could ever have trying it your own way because you tried it your own way and and it led to all kinds of stuff so stand on your feet if you're with me today and, and let's just close this thing out I wanna leave you with this last point. When we come to the end of ourselves, we receive power beyond ourselves. Can I say it again? When we come to the end of ourselves, we receive a power greater than ourselves. You know, when I was talking to someone last week, they said that as a counselor, one of the biggest questions they get all the time is why am I not enough? Why am I not enough? I, I try so hard to be a good husband, a good father, a good wife, a good girlfriend, a good student. Why am I not enough? Maybe you've walked into this place and that's the question in your mind. Why am I not enough? Why do I not make enough money? Why, why, why do I not have enough accolades to con- confirm this, this thing that I'm supposed to be? Why am I not enough? my answer to you today is that when you come to the end of yourself you will receive power beyond yourself and so the last thing is this prayer is an invitation into your weakness Jesus being fully God was also fully man and he had this weakness that he took into the garden and the Bible says that he prayed so that his, his blood, literally his sweat turned into blood and dripped off of his, his brow because it was this, God was inviting him into the fullness of that weakness to reveal his strength. And there's some of you in this place that you are just like buckling under the pressure of your life right now. And you're shaking beneath the weight of all the responsibility you have. And you're trying so hard to prove that you are so powerful and so strong and that you've got this. Because I've learned how to be a strong Italian Long Islander. I've learned how to be a strong whatever. And you're buckling under the weight of it. And God says, prayer is an invitation into that weakness so I can show you what true strength is really about. And that strength is actually coming from the true source. And so prayer is the acceptance that you aren't the source but that you can go to the source. Prayer is an invitation in to a source outside of yourself. And we have an entire generation that has been raised on the Disney mantra of just believe in yourself. It's every Disney movie that's ever come out in your lifetime is that there's this main character with some hidden thing that every one of us can see, right? I'm just ruining every Disney movie right now. It's called secular humanism, and it's this idea that there's this hidden strength, this hidden talent, right? And and all you have to do is go on this journey to discover this thing that was already there, and then boom, you become a mermaid. But here's what people are discovering right now, and I'm going to tell you why we are where we are in culture is because they did the journey and didn't transform into anything great. They did the journey. They went and they they read the books. They got the degrees. They did everything that they thought they would do to discover this thing only to realize that they come to the end of themselves, not the beginning of something great. And so the gospel message is the exact opposite. It's that God has left you incomplete so that only he could come in and complete you and fill that void. And he, he left you incomplete by design so that as you go on your journey, you'll discover that the only thing that you ever needed and the thing that you sought the entire time, whether you realize it or not, was his presence. And so if you're in this place right now and you've thought to yourself, like, I am truly at the end of myself. I never feel like enough. Get ready because you are about to receive power beyond yourself. And so what I want you to do is just close your eyes right now. Actually, not yet. Open them up. I want to show you something. This is funny to me. We had a guy who's just recently accepted Christ. I led him to Christ over the phone, and I've been discipling him. He was here for Easter for the first time, and he came to a prayer event at my house, and he, had, and we, he was so funny. I looked at him, and he was like this. And I'm like, what are you doing? He's like, well, I'm brand new at this. I have no idea what's going on. He's like, some of you guys are raising your hands like this, and some of you like this, so I'm doing both. And I was like, you are amazing. (laughs) And the reason why I would even show you that is because it's not necessarily about the technique. It's about the relationship. And there's so many things that all of you have learned from the ones who have been in the church game for a long time, and you brought all your church culture with you, and you showed us all how holy you are, to the people who just cussed their spouse out on the drive here. Maybe that's both the same person. And what I'm asking you to do is put all that religious stuff aside and all your techniques aside and connect to the true source which is your heavenly father and say have your way in my life God it's not about what I can do anymore and I'm not going to accept a Disney trip anymore but I'm going to step and walk into what you called me to and if there's someone in this place who will say yes completely you will take flight in the presence of God and you'll know that you know that you know that you know that in that presence you are complete and it won't matter how you raise your hands. I mean, it will only matter that you are in a place that completes you. So right now with every eye closed. Thank you for listening. Your experience doesn't have to end with this message. Visit us online at v1.church and send us a message. If you would like to help V1 reach New York and beyond, download the V1 Church app for iPhone and Android and click give. Join us this Sunday for our weekend celebration. Directions and info can be found on our website.